0: to Cancer Talk, the podcast that explores the potential of integrative medicine in cancer care. Integrative medicine is an inclusive approach that combines the full resources of conventional medicine with a broad range of lifestyle and complementary approaches to address the multiple needs of those with cancer in body, in mind and in spirit. Each episode of Cancer Talk, oncologist, Dr. Penny Kekajoglu and I, Robin Daly of Yes to Life, will be building bridges between conventional medicine and a host of other therapies and practices with the aim of improving the care of people with cancer in the UK.
1: Hello, I'm Penny. I'm a clinical oncologist in the National Health Service and clinical director, and I treat patients with cancer using different modalities, including chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and holistic approaches. I welcome you all to Cancer Talk, and um, I'm looking forward to joining more specialists to talk about integrative medicine.
0: Hello, I'm Robin Daly, founder and chairman of Yes to Life, the UK charity helping people with cancer to learn about and use integrative medicine.
1: Each episode of Cancer Talk, Robin and I will be jointly hosting guest specialists from the world of integrative medicine, with the aim of exploring the potential of improving the health of patients through their particular skills and experiences.
0: Hi, right, Penny, great to see you.
1: Great to see you, Robin.
0: Uh, we got something a little bit different for this episode, I think. We do. I'd like to introduce you to Chris Lewis, who I think it would be fair to describe as a patient activist. What do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, definitely an activist. Uh, (laughs) There's not a lot of activity that I've seen, I have to be honest, for quite a few years. So I'd like to bring some activity to it. Definitely. Excellent.
0: Fantastic to meet you, Chris.
2: Yeah, lovely to meet you, Penny and Robin. Thank you for inviting me, you guys.
0: Ah, pleasure. So we generally talk to health professionals of one kind or another on this podcast, but this time we're looking a very different direction and we're talking to you as the voice of the patients. Um, So you're super passionate about uh, campaigning about cancer care. Why?
2: (laughs) Well, to be honest, I suppose it was like anybody else. I never knew anything much about cancer directly and I, I thought it was always something that was going to happen to somebody else. Uh, until it came to my doorstep and, and nearly wiped me from the face of the earth. You know, one minute I was healthy and the next minute I was dying. Uh, it was that quick. And quite frankly, what shocked me was, uh, you know, I was lucky. So I'm, I I've survived and I've had wonderful treatment and thank you to St. George's and, and my donor. Uh, I've had a stem cell donor twice over over the period. So... Um, but what what actually shocked me, Robin, was the the state of support, if you like, for for people affected by cancer. Uh, now I'm not a shy guy, but I really had to rattle some cages to find out what I what I needed. And to be honest, I mean, it took the wind from my sails. I wasn't able to go back. I, I was a business consultant, travelling around the world. I wasn't able to go back and do that, you know, after all the, the work that I've had. Uh, and now I, I suffer from the side effects of that, but I'm grateful for life. But I knew that I had to wake the world up to what wasn't being done, uh, quite honestly. And, and first of all, I thought, is it me? You know, am I a moaning mini? Right. <laughs> uh, that's just, you know, am I just continually moaning? Or, or, or how do other people feel? So I used to talk to people in the waiting room, you know, about different issues, and and it was everybody. Um, And those were the days before the internet. So it it was literally, you know, speaking. Um, Right. So once I found out that, you know, things took
0: off. Right. Well, look, just for the people who don't know, I know your story a bit, but maybe you could tell Penny and our listeners just the outline of of what happened
2: to you. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I was. Uh, I've always been self-employed. I'm a bit of a maverick, really. I certainly wouldn't, couldn't work any corporate environment. Uh, so I used to work for myself. I'm a business guy. Um, you know, I can make money out of nothing almost. And um, so, but I was in the rag trade. So I used to buy and sell ladies' clothes and and fabrics. So that involved me in a lot of travel, which was which was great. Uh, you know, it involved a lot of money, which was great. Fast cars, great. <laughs> everything was great. And um, I got to the age of 50 and I thought, you know, I'm doing well here, lad. <laughs> to get to the age of 50, I loved what I did. I had a wonderful family, you know, my wife and a couple of boys. And everything was was rolling. And that's uh, when I started to, I thought to myself, actually, I've got to do a bit of um, life life accounting. So, you know, I got to 50 and I'd taken out a lot. But my wife's a bit older than me and she wanted to retire. She got a good job as well. But I didn't feel ready to retire. And I said, I'll give it another five years, which was quite ironic because the very next year I started to feel really ill. Mm. Um, Very, very tired, sweaty. All the symptoms that I now know (laughs) were of blood cancer. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. Uh, everyone was telling me to go to the doctor, but of course, firstly, I'm a man, so that's a that's a problem there, right? We, <laughs> that's a barrier. You know, yeah, <laughs> we don't want to visit the doctor. <laughs> no. And secondly, I was I was trying to imagine myself telling the doctor I'm tired. You know, and I, and I thought, how many people tell the doctor they're tired? it must be millions of people. So I really put it off until the last minute, but but at that stage i would got to the stage where I couldn't even walk down the road to get the train and things like that. It was it was just terrible. Um, I went to the doctor and one thing led to another, and and then I was diagnosed with mantle cell lymphoma, stage four. Uh, I had my tonsils removed, and that's how they found it. Really, that was the final diagnosis, where they they did a biopsy on my tonsils. So things moved very quickly from there. Uh, you know, I, di- I didn't know what it was. It was stage four. They explained to me there was no stage five. So off we went with scans, chemotherapy, stem cell transplant from a donor. Um, and uh, my life changed forever. Uh, mm. You know, the, the, we weren't sure. It's a disease that apparently is incurable, And at the time, I was only given six months to live. Well, here we are 15 years later. So, but I made it, you know, as we spoke earlier, I made it my raison d'etre, really, to to do something about improving the lives of people affected by cancer. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Lily, that was a big shock for you. I mean, you said you were 50, you had everything else going, you know, young, good family, good job, and you didn't want to bother the doctor. I think the message that you're giving out is a lot of people, you know, they are in the same situation where our lives have become even busier. And it's it's quite important, first of all, that people do report the symptoms, isn't it? Isn't that one good message to give out?
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Although I'm obviously Penny these days, it, it still it still comes back to that we don't want to trouble the GP, even, even more so. Uh, so it, it's a male thing, I think, particularly. Uh, I must be honest. I do a lot of work in the prostate cancer area and uh, I, I do a support group every month. And to be honest, it's the same thing. You know, 90% of the guys are late diagnosis because they don't want to trouble the doctor.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think... Uh... One, one, one is actually quite good for guys, isn't it? At least you can just ring up here now and uh, get to talk to somebody straight away. Not too much hassle and, uh, you know, it, it's on the phone as well. I, I think that works for a lot of men. But uh, I think we need to find different routes anyway. The sort of, I'll make an appointment with the GP. It'll be in three weeks time. I have to take time off work. Da, da, da. Oh, I don't think I'll bother. Yeah. All right. So do you want to say a little bit about what you do by way of campaigning?
2: Yeah, I I started off uh, by just speaking to people, literally. And uh, people said, oh, you know, you've got a lot to say. And I I got invited to a couple of conferences, literally, purely by chance. And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I made an impact in those. Um, but my health was unreliable and I couldn't I couldn't really rely on talking at conferences because, you know, you book something up four weeks in advance and you, you might not be well enough for it. So uh, I that there, there came a frustration because I wanted to reach out to more people. Uh, and, and as I said, this was the days of the Internet was just really starting. You know, when, when I went in for my first stem cell transplant, which was two thousand and seven, you know, I asked them if I'm gonna be in the room for six weeks, is there any Wi Fi here? And honestly, the sister, she thought I was bonkers. She said, you know, <laughs> you're coming in here to, to stay alive, right? <laughs> not
0: not to fiddle you with go, your
1: Wi Fi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> go mad that it was so alive.
1: <laughs> that has exactly. definitely improved, Chris. <laughs>
0: so must be you, Chris. Did you do that?
1: <laughs> so you know, it was uh,
2: it was strange times. But I explained this to friends of mine who are, who are experts on it. You know, they were Facebooking and tweeting and all of this. And I said, look, tell me how it works. This is my problem. I I need to get the word out much more than I can physically. Uh, so they started me up a little website, not not what the one I have now. And then they said, right, if you've got a website, you need to tell people about it. So you need to be on social media. And so I learned all of that. And and to be honest, it was great because I had time, you know, I didn't feel like running around. It was six months before I could even go out the house. So all of this time I spent learning uh, social media, websites and, and all of that thing. It was all new to me. So... I'm blessed that actually I'm in the time of the internet because what has happened over time, Robin, you know, I've been talking, first of all, I'm talking to local people, you know, in London, and then I'm talking to people across the UK. And now, you know, I've become a global presence, if you like, as, as a, there's not many that do the work I do, to be honest. Um, I'm shaking trees because it's a global issue. You know, it's no good worrying about what's happening in London. This uh, this cancer issue is a global issue.
0: Re- yeah, absolutely. strange, isn't it? You, you don't realise that at first. You think it's just your hospital, but actually it's the whole world.
2: Yeah, it, it is. And, and and the interesting thing was that I found that as a, as a business guy, obviously you can find plenty of problems, right, if you look for them. Uh, And when I started looking further into cancer, and I I looked at one particular problem, and that involved a half a dozen opening up another half a dozen doors. And, you know, before I knew it, 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 there there were so many problems involved in trying to solve the first problem. So Mm. the first thing that I did is you, you have to do as a business guy is you have to maintain your focus. So... I decided, right, what is my focus? Cancer, that's too big a subject. I can't do that. So my focus is on improving the lives of people living with cancer. Right? I can't cure cancer. I can't do any of that. But I can signpost. I've got the experience. I know people across the world now. You know, I know about clinical trials. I know about drug companies. I know how the NHS works. So I've become, you mentioned earlier on, professional, right? I am a professional. I'm a professional patient. Right. And no one's got any more experience about me than me, <laughs> right?
0: right? Absolutely, you're an <laughs> expert. Uh,
1: so, Chris, you obviously have read and educated yourself almost like um, self-educated, really. Yeah, yeah it's all and self-educated. W- what are the things that caught your eye over the years and how did you see them evolving or or not evolving uh,
2: to be honest uh and it was um it was the non-evolving that was what i saw i saw i saw lots of different so I, if you take the global issue right of, of cancer that I, I couldn't see any one that was really much better than the other one overall and i you know i look at the states i look at europe i look at australia i look at all these places and none of their results are really that exciting. I have to be honest. You know, when I first got sick, everyone said America. You know, this is the place. But if I look at America now, America's probably getting worse results than we are. Mm-hmm. So, when you look at whether you pay for your care, we all pay, of course. You know, NHS not free, is it? Let's let's be fair. It's not free. It's something that we've we've paid for. Uh, but whichever whichever course. Uh, wherever you are in the world, uh, I don't see cancer, the situation with cancer improving, to be honest with you. And and I was quite shocked at, I'd found a subject where people were earning a lot of money in any sector of cancer for failure. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And that quite shocked me. It quite shocked me that, that, it, it appeared that pharma holds all the strings. This is my uh, opinion. Uh, cancer charities, you, you know, in many respects, they're quite happy the more people get cancer, the more their income goes, right? Uh, and th- the same with NHS. NHS just ticks along, whether it's COVID, whether it's, you know, they, they're very passive, NHS. They're, they're not really. They just react like a sticking plaster. But I, I saw that all over the world. You know, there's so many millions and billions going into it, but actually, still we're ending up with worse results. And no one's questioning. No one's mm-hmm. asking. Actually, what are you? The cancer research, right? Five hundred million pound per year, plus. Now, what, what, what's cancer research doing? <laughs> They're researching cancer. Okay, great. <laughs> what have you achieved? <laughs> I, honestly, I, I was totally shocked at, at the ambivalence of most organisations. Government, they say words, you know, look, what do they call it in the States? The moonshot is going to find a cure for cancer. Moon, I think it's moonshot, they call it. Mm. Right, now what's happening here? Nothing.
0: Nothing. Uh, I think there is a deep acceptance that, you know, we're not going to get the answer to this, so we just, you know, move the furniture around. Um uh, At some point, I mean, you know, ever since the big, bold Nixon thing, and throw money is it is going to do the job, uh, that didn't work. Everybody else has been a bit reticent to even take on the idea that we could actually really do something about cancer. So...
2: Why are we not more
0: honest about that? Because
2: let's be fair, we, we as a world, I'm talking, I'm not talking about NHS, but, you know, we, we're telling everybody what we're doing, but actually we're not doing it. We're not doing it. You know, there's less money now going into cancer than there was because we've now got other problems on the planet. Uh, and basically people are dying now because they're not receiving the treatment that they require. Even in the, you know, the NHS, they're not getting the best possible treatment. They're getting what's financially available and what's physically available to give them. They're not necessarily getting the best treatment for them. Is my opinion and my experience.
1: Yeah. So what what I'm hearing is basically there are money spent, but the outcomes are not improving. And almost needs to be the other way around. Um, so, so what what do you think are a couple of areas that are particularly challenging? Um, or what do, even the reason for this, do you think?
2: Yeah, I think the reason, it, 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 my personal opinion, is that the world has accepted the, the shocking results of cancer, the shocking death rates, uh, the, the shocking... Uh, I think we've accepted it if if i'm totally honest uh you, you know when we were talking about covid uh, a couple of years ago and, and we saw those figures on the tv everybody you know no one's used to seeing those sort of figures we we've been looking at them but you know the, the general public they're not they're not used to seeing figures like that while they're having a dinner right of how many people have died in the country and you know, at times, those deaths were lower. If, if you take the 450 deaths per per day in the cancer market is the, is the official stat, as far as I know. You know, that's been happening for years. 450 people every single day in this country are dying, right? No-one mentions it. No-one mentions true. it at all, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if they put those statistics up on the news, people yeah. would be on the streets. Yeah that's a
0: fair point yeah it isn't news you're right
2: it's not news Mm. if i'm honest governments around the globe have accepted that cancer is a big a bigger problem than they can solve if i'm honest and and currently now i mean the situation's got worse because we had COVID. there was another thing to focus on right And then you've got now the global economy, you've got the war, you've got all the politics that are going on around the world. Cancer barely even gets a mention, right? Uh, Alongside some of the other diseases, of course, you know, heart disease, Alzheimer's, uh, and all of these issues. We're nowhere near finding any answers to these. But what I don't really understand, if I'm honest, is that, This disease, and I call it a plague, I refer to it as a plague because I I don't know anything that I've read about that has affected half the nation. So we've got 60 million people in this country. It is going to affect 30 million people, Hmm. right, directly. But it affects us all anyway because we all know someone now. It's on our doorstep. It's knocking on the door. Yet nobody... Forget what the government don't do. That's that's politics. But what I don't understand is the general public, because they are the ones who can actually do
1: something about
0: it. Everybody's just hoping it's not them. Correct. Yeah, no, it's true.
1: So in terms of yeah, we 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 haven't we haven't found the cure for cancer. Okay, but you mentioned quality of life, and yes. you mentioned that supporting patients, and that is has been one of your mission throughout or your mission throughout the years. And they, I can hear from your voice that there's something more that we should be doing regarding that.
2: Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, that hurt me, I must be honest. Uh, so <laughs> when you, you know, I was physically active, charging around and, and um, you feel, you know, work, is a, is a big part of our lives right because we're all part of of something okay and sometimes we we maybe overplay our part that we're playing in life right we're all little small cogs really but you you know it's it's important for everybody to feel part of something and make some progress even if they're you know for example, sweeping the streets or putting labels on bottles or whatever they're doing, everyone wants to do that because they're all part of of something. Now, when I got cancer and I was taken out of that system, Mm. I really struggled mentally with that. And it it wasn't even the financial issue, although that was a big blow, I have to say, a big blow. Uh, But it was the issue of being... Discriminated against, which I never realised that even existed until I got cancer. Mm. So you, you know, I honestly thought not that I needed it, but I honestly thought that people will go, "Oh, Chris, honestly, you you know, you've you've worked for thirty-five years or forty years or whatever, and and uh, you know, let's let's try and get you back on your feet." You you, you know what I mean? I'm not looking for, I'm not talking about state benefits or anything like that. I'm just talking about some sort of help, maybe to find something that I couldn't do this, but I can do this. But if you apply for a job and you've got cancer, let's be honest, that application goes in the bin, right? Because you have to tick a box. Do you have a disability? So that the reason that was put in was so that there wasn't any discrimination but of course all it did as another government rule it created discrimination so once you tick the box you've got a disability you've got no chance of getting any work pretty much Uh, when you talk about your mortgage to your bank right once you tell them you've got cancer whoa man they want their money paid back as quick as possible No loans, no nothing, right? They're not interested at all, despite what the big charities might say and however they they cosy up with Lloyds Bank or whoever they cosy up with. The reality is they want their money. They're not interested in unlucky Chris. He's got cancer, right? If you want to go on a holiday, whoa, they can't wait. They're absolutely rubbing their hands with glee. Uh, You know, anyone who wants health insurance to go on holiday, okay? Any car insurance and and any sort of loan. If you've got cancer, that's, honestly, you're put into one corner uh, in society. And what is the frustration, if you like, it's going to affect so many of us that we cannot, as a society, continue like this we we just can't it's unacceptable that the workplace doesn't understand cancer it just does not understand you know like mental health and other things it doesn't understand that it's not interested in it and I don't really understand it so that's where I was disappointed if you like look I didn't need the work I don't I don't need it I find my own way in life that's that didn't bother me but I'm talking about for other people, you know, the people that don't have the support that I have around me, the, the vulnerable, the more vulnerable people, they just get pushed about in society because they've got cancer. Now, that's something we can do about it as a society.
0: OK, I'm just interested, to, How how many of those things that you talked about there do you think are... Something that should be considered by the NHS as part of their service.
2: Um, none. none. Okay. <laughs> <If I'm honest. laughs> I think the NHS should stay doing what it does. Okay. Um, I think. I, I mean, look. It, for me, the easy answer was: I looked at that problem. I looked at that problem, and and I I thought of an answer to it. And I thought if every cancer centre or every large centre, let's say. Has a has uh, a coordinator that coordinates with the people who've left from the hospital with their treatment. So they're coming back to see their their oncologist or whatever. This is nothing to do with that. This is just to give them a call. How are you getting on? You know, are you claiming your benefits? Da da da. All of those sort of things, which I can't really. You know, we have an impact uh, needs assessment. What do they call that? Holistic needs assessment, that's what it is, right? We have that now. Mm. They tell me about that. To be honest, I've never had one since I've been going in 15 years, right? But they tell me it exists. I do know people who've had it. I do know professionals who last it. But that sort of thing tends to create more problems than, than it answers, and therefore people are... You, you, you know, with due respect to the NHS, if you ask somebody how they are and they're in a cancer ward, <laughs> probably best you don't ask them, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I, I think the NHS has got too many issues itself mm. without going further abroad uh, in, in terms of its uh, capacity. Let's say I think the NHS needs to focus on what it... It needs to focus on getting us fixed up. And then after that, uh, it it's somewhere else is 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 the issue not not burdening the nhs is is my opinion
0: hmm. so you're saying there, there are kind of new services are needed which run alongside the nhs yes hmm. yes interesting okay
2: i don't believe that the nhs is, look the nhs is good at what it does or it was uh it's, it's suffering from archaic systems that are embarrassing the people on the front. Uh, archaic, crazy, crazy systems. If those were to improve, a lot of the problems would actually go away.
1: <laughs> and when we talk about those services, um, are you talking about the voluntary sector or what, what would you say No, I think... Those services? No,
2: if I'm honest... Uh, Look, the voluntary sector has a very massive part to play in society. Right? Without the voluntary sector, uh, the society would almost collapse. So I love the <laughs> voluntary sector. I'm part of it actually. But the the limitations in the voluntary sector are: you need skills, uh, mm. certain skills, to to do this work, and. With respect to them, not saying they're not skilled at all. It's that that's not really my point. But you need specialist skills to do this work, and I don't think I think it's over and beyond what the voluntary sector could pick up. That that's okay. my my opinion. Mm. I think you need professional yeah. people to do it.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a a new wing of the NHS. Basically, then it's part of the NHS. Uh, service, but it's completely new, so it doesn't detract from what's already there.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, my personal view is that look, once the, the, you go to the NHS for your clinical, your clinical work, right, and and at the end of the day, whatever success looks like, I mean, success. I'm I'm successful. Uh, I'm I'm a successful patient because currently I don't have cancer but I do have lots of other things, (laughs) but I don't have cancer. So they've they've done their trick with me of cancer, but but I feel left, if you like. So I've come, I'm not out of the system, I'm still in it, but as I left the door, you know, I opened the door, it was like I was coming into blinding sunlight, and it's like, right, what's next for me? You know? Uh, And they're not clinical problems, they're actually sort of psycho... Uh, and, and economic issues that we all have, you know, it's not not just me.
1: There must be a way, though, that we, mm. whatever that service looks like, we call it integrative mm. and integrative medicine, integrative yes. oncology. It must it must be able to sit within the NHS system.
2: Yeah, maybe it can. I, I was just trying to. You know, I understand the, the NHS because you can, if you really want, you can put a lot of things back to the NHS, right? <laughs> it's like those doors I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Where, but I'm, what I was trying to do really was sort of in, improve the NHS a little bit by taking some of the load away uh, from it. But yes, you're right. Integrative is is probably the right word. It needs to be allied, certainly, because mm-hmm. there needs to be a there's a there's a, you know a lap a, a lap, lap over
0: there, yeah yeah um, it's part of the danger I think maybe you're expressing is though if something becomes joins into a system which you consider is sort of completely out of date and bust that it'll be tainted by it, and is that true
2: to be honest that's that's my, my entire view uh, i mean this we, I, don't, I don't know any and you have to refer to the NHS as business because it's got money coming into it, right? And money mm-hmm. going out of it. So True. It, it, it has to be termed a business. But even since we've had COVID, right, every business that I know has changed, even the little bits I do from home, I've changed entirely the way that I work because of COVID, right? But I don't know any business that was established nearly 75 years ago That hasn't changed. And the NHS has evolved, but really, you know, it still can't do the basics right. And until, personally, I feel it's a culture thing, if I'm I'm honest, uh, I'm trying to be constructive here uh, because my frustration is that I know things can be improved (laughs) uh, without too much, if I'm honest with you. Um, I mean, things like, just just for example, getting an appointment right. You know, I received three letters the other day, three separate letters for the same appointment. Uh, if you ring up your hospital, you know, no one answers the phone and it just rings till almost it hangs up. And then when you're put through to a department, the, the self-same thing happens. So what worries me is, you know, if those basics are not being covered, if, if we can't even get an appointment right, on the whole or we can't bring up with a query what what on earth the more technical stuff is going on behind the scenes you know i wrote a post uh last week because it involved my son a visit to AE. it took us 12 hours i mean we could have flown to dubai for private treatment in the time that it took and there were six six pairs of hands that were involved in the case right and it was only the fact that I then went from going to Croydon and waiting there forever and a day for a department that exists in the same building that he was told on Friday they close at four o'clock. Can he come back on Monday? Right? He was taken in as an A and E. He was going to lose his eye. So we had to go to London, right? And honestly, the consultant, the registrar, in fact, he was, he was embarrassed. He said to my son, I'm, I'm totally embarrassed at this. You know, so 12 hours is not acceptable. It's not. And the system could have been a lot better. I mean, there was a, the people were upstairs there in the same building.
0: Mm.
2: But the system didn't allow the registrar to do anything. And that's where the problem is. That's why I didn't want to load anything more into the NHS because it's not capable of doing
0: the basics. Hmm. So there's another way of looking at this, which I mean, I just put it to you that maybe you feel that if uh, something good comes along and is uh, put in the NHS, it'll be lessened by being part of the same system. Uh, There's another view that says, well, um, if you bring along some good things, they could have a good effect on the NHS. And that maybe the very things that the nhs is suffering from a lack of exist outside of the nhs and therefore we don't we do actually want the nhs of course to get better i mean everybody wants that they want the best health service obviously and um it's certainly in the minds of people who are interested in integrated medicine that there's so many uh skills that are short within the nhs particularly when it comes to the personal skills, where so many people complain about the lack of uh, empathy or care or compassion at various times, it's a common complaint. Um, you know, these are that's the sort of lifeblood of of uh, you know complementary and alternative medicine. That's that's what they've been doing forever. It's giving people lots of time, lots of attention, listening. You know, all the stuff that there's no time for. So. There's a, there's a feeling that we the skills that are needed by the NHS in order to provide the two things that have been talked about since the 1980s, which is choice and patient-centred care, which are still missing. They're there outside. They're all there within a whole range of practitioners. So, don't we need to sort of get some of that into the NHS to actually improve it?
2: What do you What do you think, Penny? What's your opinion on that?
1: Well, um as a, a supporter of integrative oncology, unless we integrate that level of service within our NHS conventional stream, it will always be something separate to what we do as clinicians. Um, And we need to bring that together. I'm not suggesting that the NHS should bear the load necessarily, but there must be a way that whatever service and however means we set it up it sits alongside myself as a clinician and my team um, otherwise the patients who need that holistic care and what you didn't have at that time we are probably a bit closer to, to having it but we are not there and patients don't want to be going into different places to speak to different practitioners and get what they want. They need to have, you have it under the same roof.
2: Yeah.
1: And that's what we need to get to. We need to be able to, you know, nurture our patients. They need to grow throughout their journey as you have and the care needs to come under the same roof some way or another.
2: Yes, you're right. They, they, they are. Done. I mean, places like UCL, for example, they they they've got it there mm-hmm. and and some of the more modern I think Christie's got it probably and yeah. there, there, there's a few others that have Absolutely. got it. You're right.
1: We have moved on. Um, you know you mentioned NHS, there's private centres that they have managed to achieve that. So it's achievable. That is the first thing we need to celebrate. But we need to spread and scale that.
2: Mm. yeah I, I agree with you and i I'm interested in what you say there because I don't feel that your views and I like you know I agree with everything you said uh, but I don't think that your views are general through <laughs> throughout oncology, what I've seen mm. and the people I've spoken to um, they're not supporters of it of anything that comes outside the current system and that currently comes outside of the current system, right? Uh, I don't see, I mean, nobody's even passed a personal comment on it because I said to me, you know, I've said to the people that I I speak to, I said, look, you're not offering, uh, I think I said to you, Robin, you know, when you offer me a menu, I'm only seeing the takeaway menu, right? I'm only seeing what you want to give me, I'm seeing. I'm not seeing the other alternatives of what there actually are. Mm. So I, I see um, uh, y- what you're talking about is definitely the future. And if I'm honest, if I could see that, you know, look, 15 years ago, yes, thankfully it is different today. Thankfully it is. Uh, and people have got better ideas, and that's probably one of the reasons that I got in touch with Robin in the first place. Uh, because we can't continue to do the work that we were doing in the way that we were doing it, because it, it's ridiculous. But I, but I don't. I see the the, the challenge that uh, to to get you more of your colleagues involved.
1: Yeah. Mm.
2: Or, or you, you know, speaking with a more positive mind. Let's
1: Yeah. I, I, I surely recognize that challenge, um, Chris, and um and that's where you know Robin has been working and developing the BSIO Bridge Society of Integrative Oncology, which I co-chair with my colleague Dr. Nina Fuller Sovell, and that's our priority. How do we bring the healthcare professionals together, educate and train them that this is the future. And actually, the future is here. It's already happening. And we need to just change that mindset of, you know, we can't just ignore it anymore. None of the clinicians should ignore it anymore because this is part of actually standard care. You mentioned Manchester, UCL, centres of excellence.
2: Yeah, I I agree with you. And and this, to me, comes back to, to the culture, the current culture, Within the look, I'm I'm generalising, of course. Uh, You know, my team that look after me are are wonderful, and and thankfully, the the standard care I've received has done, has so far done the trick. You know, if you said to me at the time, you'll get 15 years out of it, happy days. That really is a success for me you you know mm. but but i didn't have all those the the integrative stuff that you're talking about which is which is now available maybe life would have been better for me maybe it wouldn't i don't know but yeah. that's up to each person to to have that available to them not just the limited little bits that that the nhs want to give
1: absolutely and and you also mentioned the most vulnerable people and how do we you know you're obviously mm. Had the privilege to read about things and from your job role as well you used to do that and you know self-serving your knowledge really but what about the people who cannot do that and i guess that's where your work comes in isn't it and and signposting the vulnerable people
2: that's that's exactly where it comes in penny And and i've been I, it was funny because you, you, like i said earlier we all like to feel valuable right and and the fact that i do this work for for nothing if you like uh what i do um you, you know my oxygen if you like my my currency is is the comments and and the, the feedback that i get from people the messages that i see uh and I was When COVID came along and I thought to myself, you know, now what's going to happen here? Because the whole world was talking COVID, right? COVID, COVID, COVID. And, and cancer really fell off the edge in terms of that. And I wondered, what am I going to do? What, where is my work going to go with this? You, you know, I don't really want to keep writing cancer blogs and we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's not right. So I didn't. But very quickly people started, they couldn't get the care that they needed. So very quickly, you know, six months probably into COVID, it, it became apparent that the government wasn't going to do anything about the waiting lists. The NHS were told, just just deal with COVID, basically, right? <laughs> so we knew where that was going to lead. Everybody knew where that was going to lead. And now I'm absolutely, you know, my phone's ringing off, off the The scale because of people that need some form of time given to them right I'm not going to cure their cancer definitely not but I understand their issues I understand their choices are getting narrower but the time issue I think is the is the really big thing that that you spoke about very early on Robin that that that, that's the thing that's is the most
0: valued, but the least available, right? Definitely so. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, And a very difficult one to solve for the NHS as it is as well. It's only getting worse, in fact, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, I'm just interested to hear what... I mean, you're all about patients, but actually do you have allies within the health service who kind of like what you're doing and support it, even if it's a bit tacit? (laughs)
2: No, not at all. I, I, I'd like to say, I've, I've got respect. Uh, look, I, I disagree with a lot of the charities. I call them frauds. You know, I disagree with them. Uh, they know that, you know, it, it's public knowledge. I've written, I've written on my blog, if you look on my website, I slate Cancer Research, I slate Macmillan, and I say on the whole, my dislike for big corporate charities. I, I complain about the NHS, but not in a, a destructive way. Right, in, in a constructive way, mm-hmm. um, and actually, I do. I do have a lot of allies because, particularly since COVID came, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now in Team GP, uh, GP rather, and not team GB, GP, GP. Okay. Uh, you know, because a lot. Of the, I had a platform, right? I, like, I want to use the platform. It's taken me a long time to to get the platform as it is. And, and particularly Twitter, you know, it's a, it's a great platform. And so I was feeding a lot of clinical stuff out through through my platform. I was contacted by a lot of professionals who wanted to do that because, you know, we started with the GP issue. People were, were having a go at the GPs and, you know, it, it all became very tense. Still is, actually. Mm. but. I was trying to, so I was trying to encourage the people in the community, you know, to understand what's happening. If you look on my website, you'll see plenty of pieces on there written by clinical professionals, GPs or, you know, whatever. Because I like to, we're all one, really, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We're not fighting each other. We all want the same thing. We want life to be better for all of us, because at some stage, we're all going to be patients. We're all going to have our kids in there or our parents. And we, we've all had that, right? So we're not on different sides. At the end of the day, we want a solution. Mm. It's not it's not a war. It's, it, we, we want a solution to this because what we currently have isn't good enough. It's not good enough for the customer, i.e. us. We are the customer. We are. And it's not good for the people who work in the system. It's not mm. working.
0: Yeah, it's a very important point, by the way, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's easy to focus, uh, particularly with a kind of patient oriented uh, organisation like Yes Life, to just be thinking about the patients and how it's not working for them. But it's a very big issue, the fact it's not working for the people who work in there. And uh, that's where we should all be on the same page.
2: Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, for me, look, I love business. That's that's really where my heart is. and And the most important asset of any business from a business that's got one employee to a business that's got millions, right? The biggest asset is the staff Mm. and the incredible goodwill that the NHS has had pre-COVID I'm talking about, not even COVID, you know, it was starting to fall apart before COVID. COVID probably was the straw that broke the camel's back, but Before COVID, the the incredible goodwill of all the staff I see there. I don't see anyone trying to do a bad job. They're all trying to do a good job. Uh, But the system was was obstructing them from doing a good job. You know, bits of paper, more emails, more this, more that. It just isn't helping uh, at all. We want the same thing, and we're all part of this problem, but we're all part of the solution. We must be, and that's where another frustration is, Penny. Sorry about this. <laughs> is is and what you talked about, Robin, as well. That, you know, the patient being at the heart of it. What I don't understand is that you you know the NHS and others. By the way, this is not just NHS. Most of them around the world, most health services around the world are the same. They, know, they don't want to engage with patients unless it's a tick box. They're not interested with real engagement. Uh, I don't see it. You know, I see a cup of tea and a biscuit for an hour uh, because they want, you know, they want black men or they want Asian women or they want somebody that talks. Other than that, I don't see any real long-term engagement with that. And any business that doesn't engage with its customer is doomed totally doomed, the the, the people that use the service. What it seems to me is that the NHS has been built over years to serve the people who are working in it. it. It doesn't serve the public anymore. It's, you know, nine to five. Let's be fair, if you're in a hospital on a Friday night, you're not going over the weekend home, right? Because the staff, most of the main staff, don't come until Monday. So you know to work with those sort of things we can't work like that anymore we are now a 24 7 society i know that all comes down to staff by the way but these are these are problems that have been coming at us for years these are not ones that just come to our door
0: Mm. well interesting that you say it's built for the 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 hospital themselves the system uh what works for them but uh but interestingly i'd say well it doesn't even work for them even though it was built for that i agree with you it is kind of like well this is what we do here but it, it's not working for them and no doubt about it the The poor people who work in the health service are beleaguered i mean and I, and I completely agree the astonishing amount of goodwill amongst the staff to try want to do the best job but actually they're being stopped over and over again from doing that and uh Penny is trying to bring great uh, uh, new aspects of care to patients. And of course, she's fighting with the system to do it.
1: Well, what's interesting from what you said? I mean, I, I can see you're trying to work that model, Chris, of you are an expert by experience. Can I call you that way? Yes. Can I call you expert by experience?
0: Yeah.
1: Um And clearly the dynamics here are changing because I know a lot of people like you that come to talk to me about integration and integrative oncology outside my normal NHS practice, Um, and I do that voluntarily, Um, and they, they know quite a lot like you. They have had the experience, they read, they researched, and they are struggling to convey that message or have the conversations with the clinical team, which tells me that we are in an era where our patients know more from the clinicians in certain aspects. Um, and, and what you are saying clearly with, with what you've done is bring GPs together and they are engaging, you are engaging together with clinicians and you're learning from them as much as they learn from you, quite, quite frankly. Is that what we need to do
2: ah, listen I, I can't say I'm the I'm the answer to all the problems I can only say that that you know in my in my working life uh, and I'm still working now so you, you, you might as well say I'm, I've been I've had a 50 year working for myself pretty much and and I have to make decisions I can't I can't rely on the government I can't rely on my doctor or anybody. In my world, I have to make decisions. Right? Do I make this logo? Do I put this post? Do I do this? Do I do... And there's no time where you just leave it for a couple of weeks to to look at it. You, you, you have to make decisions. So I've been used to making decisions. You don't get every decision right. You, you know, you, you, you just can't. But as long as you learn from your mistakes, what, what has happened... It, is that we've had the internet, as I spoke earlier, right? We've had the internet. Let's be fair, that's life-changing for everyone. Whether it's a good thing or not, in a lot of cases, you know, we can argue. But for people like me, it's been a wonderful thing, as I spoke earlier, because I can now communicate with my peers around the world, right? And if I want to speak to somebody senior, I just send a tweet. I don't have to send an email to the secretary who leaves it on their desk and then i keep saying i send another tweet until i get an answer right so the world's changed you know nobody can hide anymore there's no hiding place you know the trusts are all on twitter Every everyone's on twitter uh you know you can find somebody if you need if you want to make a complaint it, it it's easier to communicate so now we've we've got all the tools There are so many methods of communication in this day and age. We're on another one, right? Which which we didn't have 10 years ago. Uh, So the methods, we've got the ways to communicate, right? What we still have is the problem of communication, which is quite truly shocking. (laughs) We've been given so many different ways to do it and we still can't do it properly.
0: Mm. Good point. So... Look, we're, we're coming to the end. I wonder if you just give us a, a nice big, big view answer. Um, just tell us uh, overall what you think in terms of where we're heading. Are we going in the right direction? Uh, good question. Is that you guys or the or the cancer world? I'm talking about the whole cancer world. Cancer world's going backwards, really backwards,
2: in my opinion. I think I think we. Maybe ten years. We've gone back, in my opinion. And I'm not talking about integrative therapy or anything like that or the new cancer centres, but I believe the damage has been done within the NHS over time, not, not just COVID. COVID itself has taken a lot of resource and still continues to take resource, right? We we know it's not gone. My experience tells me we've gone back 10 years. and And that's based on talking to professionals around the world
0: okay well that's not a good picture it means we had to put a foot on the gas there penny
1: absolutely <laughs> lot of work to do <laughs> sorry about that no, but no, you I, asked I, my I opinion I'm not, no, I'm not shy yeah, to yeah, absolutely.
0: give it no i didn't want you to make um, it up <laughs> you know i i feel
2: personally upset robin because yeah. i've been working like 12 years yeah. and now it's like i'm back to the beginning again if i look at all the charities they've got totally lost you, you know, the politics are not bothered about cancer.
0: Mm, not high enough up the agenda, eh?
2: Not at all. And now, now we've got Prince William having an affair or something. You know, every single day there, there's something that's not cancer. And the longer we go on like that, you know, the, the, the less chance we've got of doing anything.
0: OK. roll right up the sleeves. Well, look. Thanks for all your hard-hitting uh, commentary, Chris. It's appreciated, very interesting, and it's good to have you out there saying it like it is, at least from your perspective.
2: And thanks, Robin, and, and thank you, Penny. Yes, it is from my perspective. Uh, and You know, I appreciate that. If, if you if you go to the White Cliffs of Dover, you know, if, if you ask everyone to go there, they'll all see different things, right? Uh, they'll all have different views. You, you all have your own view. We're only links in the chain, right? There's a big, exactly. there's a big long chain.
0: <laughs> but you're, you're clearly uh, chiming in with quite a lot of people. Uh,
2: that's the only way we're going to get... You talked about it earlier, Penny. Mm. You know, we are one community at the end of the mm. day, and that's what I wanted to try and... That's what I try and get down, if you like, yeah. uh, is, is break those barriers, because it's not us and them. At the end of the day, we all want the same thing
1: we all go on the same thing exactly thank you so much chris um Mm. it has been a pleasure meeting you and um thank you for sharing your story
2: no it's a pleasure and thank you for listening and if i can do anything to help what you're doing i love what you're doing obviously i read up on it before so if i can help with anything you know robin knows where i am really
1: thank you appreciate that
0: okay great
2: thanks a lot guys thanks for your time
0: Thank you for listening to Cancer Talk. Do subscribe and look out for the next edition of our podcast. And if you have friends and colleagues interested in the development of UK cancer care, do pass on the details of Cancer Talk. Goodbye.